0: Hello everyone, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are on the planet Earth. Welcome to The Mystic Show, I'm Chris Curran, happy to be here this morning. Today's Wednesday, November 27th, had to check my watch. Um, Yeah, it's the day before Thanksgiving, and uh, actually this will be... The last live show this week, because uh, we're not going to broadcast on Thanksgiving or uh, Black Friday. Um, I will not be doing any shopping on Black Friday. My wife will be shopping, and I will be golfing. Yes, and it's here in northern New Jersey, and it's going to be about 28 degrees when we start. Maybe get up to about 33, 34 degrees. Yeah, it's going to be cold golfing, but, you know, if you dress properly, it's a lot of fun. So, this is the show, the mystic show, where we uh, talk about spirituality and mindfulness and um, and also personal development. So, these are all the topics in life that are really important and Usually, in the process of our everyday lives, we uh, we overlook these topics. We don't think about it. We don't talk about it. We may read some, uh, you know, motivational quotes on Facebook now and then, and say, "Wow, that's nice. That's true. I like that." But as far as you know, really making it a conversation, making it a part of our lives, well, that's what the Mystic Show is all about. Giving us all a chance to talk about the unseen and otherworldly. The things that are so important to us. Like our character, like our feelings. Like love, compassion, you know, spiritual growth, emotional intelligence. Right? All these things. You can't see them. You can't hold it in your hand. You can't buy it or sell it. (laughs) <laughs> it's just part of being human I love the uh, and There's a Pearl Jam song where Eddie Vedder says uh, I can't buy what I want because it's free And it's interesting All the the best things in life Are free You know Taking a walk in the woods It's one of the greatest things you can do in life Right Going into nature, being with nature That's free Well, most places, it's free. You know, talking with other people, connecting, feeling like you make a difference, helping someone. That's all free. You don't have to pay for that. You can be a nice person. You don't have to buy that or sell it. So, our website is themysticshow.net. And um, you can find links to our Twitter and Facebook. We are on social media. And you can also find our phone number and our Skype handle. So you can call us. You can actually call the show live, ask questions, comment. And uh, yeah, so if we ever talk about a subject that you, and you have a thought, you know, hey, I agree with that. I remember when blah, 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 call up and tell us the story. Or if you agree, disagree with something that I say, or one of our guests says, call up, ask a question. You know, no one here is an expert. We're all just going on the spiritual journey together. Well, not together, but side by side, almost. And uh, and we all have different experiences, and they're all valid, and in a way, they're all good. Right? You know that modern saying, it's all good. I mean, think about that. In a way, it's true. It's all good because even the even the situations that happen to us or we get into that we think are negative, um usually we have something to learn from them, right? It's kind of the universe telling us, "Hey, you got to learn this. Here's your chance." <laughs> And if we don't learn it or we avoid it, eh, like a week or or a day or a week or a month later, here's the same situation in a different way, in a different circumstance. But here's the same thing. Learn your lesson. And we have the opportunities to learn. I don't know. Life's kind of interesting when you think about it that way. The problem is we're so focused on our material lives and money that It's like we don't have time to deal with this spirituality stuff. I don't have time. I can't read books. I can't think about that. What lesson am I I supposed to learn? I don't have time to think about that. So it's, you know, spirituality is one big opportunity for each one of us. And for those who take it on and say, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. That's it. The world changes. Somehow the universe gives you time. It's really amazing. Anyway, we're gonna um it's funny again, again, I'm talking about this, and it's something we're gonna we're gonna read in our book right now. Um again, the book we're reading from is called Your Invisible Power by Genevieve B. Rend. And it was published in 1921 and it's one of the great books i've read and really it's about visualization it's about well it's called your invisible power and visualization uh using our imagination is that power and yesterday we read the first passage called order of visualization that was really good talked about um Yeah, it talked about that uh, principle over precedent. Remember we talked about that? So the power of visualization, your power of visualization, can overcome anything that's come before it. So just because you have not achieved something in the past does not mean you can't achieve it now, because you can. So the passage we're going to read today is called How to Attract to Yourself the Things You Desire. And again, just a reminder, this book gives a lot of examples of um, worldly visualization and worldly achievement. Meaning, you know, she's going to visualize having money and having things. And it's good. It's a good example of how visualization and the law of attraction work. But keep in mind, also, with emotional and spiritual goals and your aims in life, we can also use this power of visualization to achieve spiritual goals and, and emotional goals and other types of goals as well. So it's not all about, you know, money and cars and things. Just, I mean, you probably know that, but I need to say that out loud because I don't... I, it would be unfortunate if anybody listened to the show and said, oh, he's just talking about how to make money. So, anyway, I don't think anyone would ever do that, but you get the idea. So this section, again, is called How to Attract to Yourself the Things You Desire. Uh, let's go ahead and read it from the book Your Invisible Power by Genevieve B. Rind. The power within you, which enables you to form a thought picture, is the starting point of all there is. In its original state, it is the undifferentiated, formless substance of life. Your thought picture forms the mold, so to speak, into which This formless substance takes shape. Visualizing or mentally seeing things and conditions as you wish them to be is the condensing, the specializing power in you that might be illustrated by the lens of a magic lantern. The magic lantern is one of the best symbols of this imaging faculty. It illustrates the working of the creative spirit on the plane of the initiative and selection, or in its concentrated specializing form, in a remarkably clear manner. This picture slide illustrates your own mental picture. Invisible in the lantern of your mind, until you turn on the light of your will. That is to say, you light up your desire with absolute faith that the creative spirit of life in you is doing the work. By the steady flow of light of the will on the spirit, your desired picture is projected upon the screen of the physical world. An exact reproduction of the pictured slide in your mind. Visualizing without a will sufficiently steady to inhibit every thought and feeling contrary to your picture would be as useless as a magic lantern without the light. On the other hand, If your will is sufficiently developed to hold your picture in thought and feeling, without any ifs, simply realizing that your thought is the great attracting power, then your mental picture is as certain to be projected upon the screen of your physical world as any pictured slide put into the best magic lantern ever made. Try projecting the picture in a magic lantern with a light that is constantly shifting from one side to the other and you will have the effect of an uncertain will. It is as necessary that you should always stand back of your picture with a strong study will as it is to have a strong, steady light back of a picture slide. The joyous assurance with which you make your picture is the very powerful magnet of faith, and nothing can obliterate it. You are happier than you ever were because you have learned To know where your source of supply is And you rely upon its never failing response To your given direction When all is said and done Happiness is the one thing Which every human being wants And the study of visualization Enables you to get more out of life than you ever enjoyed before. Increasing possibilities keep opening out more and more before you. A businessman once told me that since practicing visualization and forming the habit of devoting a few minutes each day to thinking about his work as he desired it to be, in a large, broad way, his business had more than doubled in six months. His method was to go into a room every morning before breakfast and take a mental inventory of his business as he had left it the evening before and then enlarge upon it. He said he expanded and expanded in this way until his affairs were in remarkably successful condition. He would see himself in his office doing everything that he wanted done. His occupation required him to meet many strangers every day. In his mental picture, he saw himself meeting these people understanding their needs, and supplying them in just the way they wished. This habit, he said, had strengthened and steadied his will in an almost inconceivable manner. Furthermore, by thus mentally seeing things as he wished them to be, he had acquired the confident feeling That a certain creative power was exercising itself For him and through him For the purpose of improving his little world When you first begin to visualize seriously You may feel, as many others do That someone else may be forming the same picture you are and that naturally would not suit your purpose. Do not give yourself an unnecessary concern about this. Simply try to realize that your picture is an orderly exercise of the universal creative power specifically applied. Then you may be sure that no one can work in opposition to you. The universal law of harmony prevents this. Endeavor to bear in mind that your mental picture is universal mind exercising its inherent powers of initiative and selection, specifically. God or universal mind. Made man for the special purpose of differentiating himself through him. Everything that is came into existence in this same way, by this self same law of self differentiation, and for the same purpose. First, the idea, the mental picture, Or the prototype of the thing Which is the thing itself In its incipiency or plastic form The great architect of the universe Contemplated himself As manifesting through his polar opposite Matter And the idea expanded and projected itself Until we have a world Many worlds. Many people ask, but why should we have a physical world at all? The answer is because it is the nature of originating substance to solidify under directivity rather than activity, just as it is the nature of wax to harden when it becomes cold or plaster of Paris to become firm and solid when exposed to the air. Your picture in this same divine substance in its fluent state taking shape through the individualized center of divine operation, your mind. And there is no power to prevent this combination of spiritual substance from becoming physical form it is the nature of spirit to complete its work and an idea is not complete until it has made for itself a vehicle nothing can prevent your picture from coming into concrete form except the same power that gave it birth, yourself. Suppose you wish to have a more orderly room. You look around your room, and the idea of order suggests boxes, closets, shelves, hooks, and so forth. The box, the closet, the hooks... Are all concrete ideas of order vehicles through which order and harmony suggest themselves. So that's the end of that section. Let's uh, let's take a short break. Yes, and welcome back to The Mystic Show. Thank you, Sinead O'Connor, for that song, In This Heart. Beautiful one. Um, Yeah, welcome back to The Mystic Show. Our website is themysticshow.net. I don't know if you've been there, but we have all of our previous episodes archived there. And there's a lot now. I, I haven't counted them recently. We must be close to 50, which is... Just amazing. Um, And also links to our social media and all that fun stuff. And our phone number and Skype handle so you can call us. That's right. Feel free to call. So um, if you have something to say or else just relax and listen. Um, Yeah, so right. We just read this section called how to attract to yourself the things you desire. And It struck me while I was reading it that I wanted to, um, before I read this passage, I wanted to talk about this, um, what does she call it? The Magic Lantern. Is that what she calls it? Yeah, the Magic Lantern. Now, again, this book was published in 1921. So she's talking about things from 100 years ago. And apparently the Magic Lantern was almost like a slide projector, right? That's how we can understand it. I mean, that's how I understand it. So she says you can put a slide in there, a picture slide in there, but until you turn on the light of the projector, you won't see anything, right? So you have to turn the light on. The light shines through the slide and projects the picture up on the wall, right? So that's what she kept on saying that this is a great, um, it's a great analogy for, um, the will. Okay. Because we have to visualize and the visualization is like the picture is like the slide. Okay. So you can visualize a picture that's fine, but until you put your will behind it and the will again is the light of the projector. So, until you turn on the light of the projector, you're not going to see anything. And when you do turn on the light of the projector, it will project whatever that picture is, whatever the slide is, it will project that onto the wall. So, it's really a great analogy of how we, we use our mind to visualize something. And by the way, we're, we're all doing this all the time. Like, you don't think this is something you have to, you've never done and you have to learn how to, no. You've been doing it almost every moment of your whole life. It's just, most of us do it unconsciously and habitually, right? Like, out of habit. But it's a great analogy. The picture is whatever you visualize. The light of the projector is your will, and the picture that shows up on the wall, that's What you manifest in life So it's a great little analogy I I really like that And it really explains why A lot of people talk and talk and talk About goals or what they want What they don't want Whatever they talk about And nothing ever materializes Right? It's because they're It's because they're never turning on their light of, uh, Of their will So all right. So the analogy of the magic lantern—that's a great one. We love that one. And um, she also talks about the undifferentiated, formless substance of life. Okay. So in a way, she's talking about the universe and um, the the formless substance of the whole universe. Right. When we when we use our mind to visualize, we're like impressing our idea into that formless substance and then we're then that's how the universe responds and creates whatever we're thinking about. Hello, welcome to the Mystic Show.
1: Hi Chris, this is Satya.
0: Hey Satya, was that you who just was calling?
1: Yeah, I couldn't get through. Oh I interesting to hear your voice, but I guess we couldn't connect.
0: Well great. I'm uh welcome to the the Mystic Show, Satya. How are you? Good. So you had some thoughts um, here?
1: Yeah, um, I, to, I had a question, and I have some thing to say about, you know, well, some topics from yesterday.
0: Oh, um, good, okay.
1: Yeah, the question is, you know, what is the difference between visualization and daydreaming? Um, I think you, you were kind of talking about it. Maybe you can explain it a little bit more.
0: Yeah, um, well, in a way, they both use the faculty of imagination, so that's actually the mental muscle that you're using when you visualize yeah. and when you're daydreaming. Um, yeah, I think the the big difference is the will. And it's interesting we're just talking about that right now because uh, daydreaming is, you're, in a way, you're just letting your mind drift and mm-hmm. you're kind of thinking and it's, it's like floating. It's just floating along. Wherever the current pushes it, it'll go. That's fine. Uh, visualizing with a purpose... Um, well, let's put it this way. Daydreaming could be considered visualizing. <laughs> but what when we talk about visualizing in terms of achieving a goal or manifesting an outcome, that visualization needs purpose behind it, intention behind it, and also the will behind it. So one is more like passive, the other one is more <laughs> Active. It's almost like uh, the meditation and cleaning in our Sahaj Marg practice, where the meditation is passive, yeah, okay. the cleaning's active. Visualization with a with a purpose, with a goal. That's actually yeah. an active process. So.
1: So you need to have a goal, and you need to do something about it. You know, along with visualization.
0: Yes, right. that's a good point. You're right. It, you, it, you, the visualization is the first step, and then you know, action you know physical world action toward your goal has to accompany okay. it as as well
1: okay oh that's great
0: mm so what what uh did you you like the show yesterday what what did you uh what thoughts did you have about yesterday's show
1: yeah i wanted to talk turkey
0: <laughs> talk turkey you know what i just it's funny before the show today i read i reread the big great turkey problem in the anti fragile book because I thought it was so interesting
1: yeah yeah exactly that's uh that's what uh, I had in mind, um, if you're okay with it.
0: Yeah, let's talk. What What did you think about the great turkey problem?
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the turkey story you said like, uh, was something like, you know, the turkeys are, uh, you know, raised in a farm and they're fed a thousand days, and they just, you know, they don't know what is coming, right? They just, you know, the good keep keeps them feeding um and they they just think that's how you know life is going to be until uh, the day of reckoning, <laughs> right a few days before Thanksgiving. Um, and then you know what happens. So uh, I think that was the story, right?
0: Yeah, that's the story. you know, I think the the crux of it is sort of about stability. like all the turkeys were probably hanging out talking with each other, saying, "Oh, this is great, life is great, you know, the butcher loves us. And there might be one turkey one turkey who speaks up and says, you know what, I don't like this. Maybe there's a reason why he's feeding us. There's a reason why he's treating us so well. Something doesn't make sense here. And all the other turkeys say, oh, shut up. He's, he lo- the butcher loves us. So there's a false sense of stability that the turkeys okay. have, and yeah. that gets shattered.
1: Yeah, I wanted to you know, use that analogy and see, You know, uh, think about, you know, how uh, we humans, you know, kind of do the same thing uh, and live our life without, you know, thinking about the day of reckoning or the death. Right. right? Yeah. And uh, we can excuse the turkeys, you know, obviously, because they don't have (laughs) a highly developed sense of awareness or thinking. But we do. And we still, most of us, you know, don't think about it uh, or do anything about it. You know, what's going to happen uh, after that? So uh, that's part, you know, probably because you know we we are all afraid of that. You know, that's kind of a topic that is not really discussed. Uh, but you know, I, I think that is a you know good good analogy to the turkeys. You know, we don't want to be turkeys, but you know, what can we do about it? How can we you know prepare for it? Uh,
0: that's a great yeah. It's a great question, and I think you know society has a lot to do with this problem satya because yes we're all we all might be afraid of death and might be afraid of public speaking and whatever but um, and a lot of other things we're fearful of but in a way it's society like we, we all want to we, we all just want to we we want to think that everything's just okay and we don't have to worry about anything and everyone else is saying hey everything's okay you know like think about think about the state of the world in in, as far as politics and, and uh, you know, healthcare and all this stuff and, and everything with regards to the government, let's say Um, every, you know, we, everyone just wants to think that, you know, the United States has the best government and they're taking care of everything. And of course, some people are going to complain, but um, in a way we want to believe that, Oh, this government is going to last, you know, cent you know, centuries into the future. And we, we think, we just want to think that everything's okay, you know, but that that's probably not the case. You know, look at what, look at, look at what we're going to leave for our children and grandchildren, all the, all the messes, all the shortcuts we're taking, all the, you know, and, and I don't want to get into politics and everything. Mm -hmm. And, and even, even the, you know, um, the environment and everything, we're pretty much, you know, living, uh, we're pretty much stealing from our children and grandchildren, but we want to believe that, oh, we're doing the right thing, and so it's almost like a collective brainwashing. Um, do you think so, yeah. Satya?
1: yeah, that's why you know, I, you know that's I agree with you there, but once again, if we want to change, you know we have to change you know within ourselves right so uh, I wanted to talk about how spirituality can you know help us prepare for you know for this day even though, you know, but because, you know, it can come tomorrow or, you know, in 50 years, right? So nobody knows for sure, you know, how this is going to work out. But, you know, what can we do consciously to prepare for, you know, for the day? Because a uh, lot of spiritual books and, you know, uh, you know in the scriptures in India, they talk about it. And one thing that that is common among that is, uh, you know at the time of death is 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 really you know you can make a difference even at the time of death, even if you lived a you know pretty crappy life right. and you haven't thought about spirituality and you know you haven't you know even thought about death but what what is on your consciousness at the time of death will determine you know what happens to you next you know if you believe in that but the paradox is if you never thought about it you know, during your lifetime, you know, that is the last thing that will come to your mind at the time of death, because it will be, you know, a lot of chaos and uh, confusion, pain. Um, So, so that's, you know, that's one thing I think that uh, came to my mind. Uh, Unless, you know, you have experienced this, you know, uh, unmanifest, what you call as, you know, otherworldly in your normal life, you know, at least, you know, get a glimpse of it, you know, that that thing will be lost. And I think even in the, in the part of now, Eckhart Tolle says, you know, some kind of portal, you know, will open up at the time of death. And uh, you can, you know, you can grab it. You have the opportunity to grab it and get liberated or whatever, you know, into the afterlife. Uh, but, most people are not aware of it they are you know hanging on to to the life here and they are thinking about you know what what they're losing so they they don't really have an opportunity to do that and uh, so that, that's you know that's one thought that came to me
0: yeah um, that's a and, good thought go ahead
1: and uh, and uh, and i and I, we, I remember this uh, movie uh, defending yourself. I think we watched it in one of our movie nights. Right? Yes,
0: defending your life.
1: Uh, yeah, it, uh, I really like that movie where you know these uh, two characters, uh, like I think one was uh, Meryl Streep and uh, the other one was Brooke Albert Brooks, I believe. Um, they 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 have an untimely death, and they end up in the you know in the other world, and uh, it's beautifully you know kind of dramatized you know what happens. Uh, you know, when they reach there. It's almost like, you know, they they face a, you know, panel, a judgment panel, you know, where they have to kind of review their life, you know, what did they do. And uh, interestingly, this this panel doesn't really, you know, is not interested in how religious or how pious they were, but how they live their life, whether they live their life in fear or they live their life, you know, uh, or they embrace their life. And uh, I think that... (laughs) And that distinction was made between the two characters. You know, where as Albert Brooks was always fearful and kind of you know anxiety, uh, and and kind of burden throughout his life, and then Meryl Street's character, uh, you know, is so loving and embracing life and a kind of easiness uh, in their life. And they, you know, depending on that, you know, Brooks was going to be sent back to us, and you know. Malvuschi's character was going to go to the to the next uh, stage of you know evolution, if you will, and then Brooke finally. I guess you know I will leave it at that because I don't want to give away what happened. Okay, Maybe yeah. Some people want to <laughs> want to watch, you know, some listeners, um, but I think that was a beautiful way. If anybody you know wants to understand or even think about it, uh, I think that that movie helped a lot in kind of you know conceptualizing. You know some of these, uh, you know,
0: esoteric, uh, you know, talks and spirituality, right? Yeah. Def- yes. Very good points, Satya. That was a re- that was a really good movie, defending your life, and you bring up some really good points. I mean, you know, um, talking about death and that you know death is coming and how what is what's going to happen at death. I mean, that's like the crux of. Uh, well one of one of the main pieces of of spiritual practice because that's exactly what we don't know what's going to happen then and uh, but we sort of have a feeling that there's more after that or you know that obviously death isn't just you know a complete end into darkness and blackness but um so and even in our our sahaj marg practice there's um there's one teaching uh, that our spiritual guide talks about. He says meditation is a training in dying, and it's really true. It's it's almost like we're preparing. You know, one way to look at it is we're almost preparing for that moment when when that door does open up, and and we have to have our mind sufficiently regulated, and we have to be, you know, calm enough and re- whatever, relaxed enough or centered enough, not not distracted by worldly things uh at that moment so you make a great point and and i think people are afraid of death and um it's interesting i think the people who take on a real spiritual practice they do think about death and what's after death and and i i actually experience a lot of most people they don't want to talk about that like they just they want to almost ignore death like like, how can you ignore death? I mean, it's coming. <laughs> I mean, it might be coming soon. How, how do you
1: know? But, you know, I mean, some people do prepare for that. but the only preparation it seems, you know, they will determine what type of casket they're going to be in and where they will be left. So, you know, in, you're preparing for, you know, something which is going to be destroyed, right. but not something which is going to live. So it's kind of the opposite, right. you know, how it is done, at least in this country.
0: Definitely. And and one other point I'd like to make is that um, when we meditate and we do a spiritual practice, we're really going inside of ourselves and we're really trying to, in a way, make contact with that divinity that's inside of our own heart, right? It's It's an inside job. We're going inside. And here's the thing about that. If divinity is in your heart, then that means that all the answers are within you and... So, when we talk about living life and gaining wisdom and living better and you know loving and being compassionate, helping other people um and and answering a lot of these questions we have, all the answers are inside, and what's cool about that is the more you go inside and meditate in with an effective system, of course, mm-hmm. um, you really learn more about yourself and and like our spiritual guide also says you gain spiritual wealth that you can actually take with you as opposed to material wealth which you can't i mean even your body yeah. is not going with you anywhere your body's going to be in in 200 years all of our bodies are going to be dust so, yeah. so so then what with the, where are you then what you know and and look there's no we don't know the answer to that but looking inside yourself for the answer that's important that's spirituality right
1: you know? and, uh, you know, even our scripture says, you know, it's something that, you know, the soul, it cannot be destroyed. It cannot be, you know, destroyed by fire or weapons or, you know, it cannot be wrecked by water. I think that's what uh, Bhagavad Gita says. Um, and uh, and also, in, in the, at least in the Hindu scriptures, it's very clear that, even though, you know, it is not reinforced or talked about it, you know, it clearly says Krishna, you know, the, the God incarnate says Jana in the Gita, that those who remember me at the time of death will come to me, no doubt about it. And and even in terms of the science, you know, you you, you talked about near-death experiences, I think, on your show. And uh, it seems like there is something opening at that time. It's very clear. I mean, from hundreds of experiences documented, uh, that you know, it's not like... That's the end. It's the beginning of something else. And uh, even, you know, I've read a few books recently, and you you've read about it. So it is. it seems very real to me. It's not just, you know, in spirituality, but even, you know, in, in real life, there is something out there. And you can, you know, you can tell it based on the experience of people who have written about it. And have gone through it and come back. Uh, so it is there. And, you know, we just have to talk about it and, you know, prepare for it. Um, it doesn't mean that you know that's all we should focus on, but you know if you are prepared for it, at least
0: you will have a shot at it <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, good points, and that's the beauty of life in my opinion that's the beauty of life that there's so many deeper things that we we just know in our hearts that they're true and that they're there you know we 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 know too much about near death experiences to say that oh that's that's a bun- That's just made-up stuff. that's fake stuff. It's not fake. I mean, come on, you know it. In your heart, if you're listening to my voice right now, you know it that there's something to all that. And also these different you know powers of intuition and psychic powers and everything. I mean, when we live our mundane life, we're living like one of, percent of our potential of what we could be uh, living, being aware of, enjoying, sharing. And uh, that's, to me, that's, that's the thing that drove me to a spiritual practice because I just knew there was something more. And uh, so I think that's what, and, and that's a positive approach to spirituality. I think some people also approach it from fear. They, you know, their society tells them that they should be going to church or going to a temple every week and... and and then maybe they get, and but then they don't go. They spend their lives just messing around, and then all of a sudden they get diagnosed with cancer, and then it's like, oh my god, <laughs> I have to go to church, yeah. or the, the, you know, I have to start meditating, you know. So it's it's done out of fear, and mm. uh, and and that's that's no way to approach the divine, right? Yeah,
1: but at least I mean it, it may be a way to start. I'm sure you know they will you know, overcome that. If they really you know start a spiritual practice. But a lot of people, yeah, you're right They, you know, they will wait until something horrible happens uh, And and then, you know, they will start thinking about it Um, But they will, you know, whether they will stick with it is another matter But at least it will give them a kind of a kick uh,
0: Yeah,
1: yeah To kind of get involved
0: Exactly, to do something, to start something It's true Yeah, yeah So very cool Great, yeah. Satya, thank by, you. By, yeah. If you
1: have time, I have a, you know, kind of a story to kind of end this beautiful story. Well, okay, yeah. oh,
0: definitely, go ahead.
1: <laughs> so, uh, this is from uh, uh, Upanishads, you know, it's called Kata Upanishad. This is kind of the essence of the, you know, the Hindu scriptures. And uh, this story goes, you know, there's a there's a Brahmin, you know, his name is Vajastrava, and he had a son, you know, his name is Nachiketa. This is a very famous story from the Upanishads. Talking about that. <laughs> and uh, this Brahmin Vajasava was, you know, he was doing some kind of a ritual. He was practicing a ritual um, where he is supposed to renounce uh, things to get fish, you know, to get, really, you know, to get merits. And so he does this uh, ritual and then he gives away a, a cow, an old cow. And uh, his uh, son, his name is Nashiketa, uh, he's, he's, you know, even at a young age, uh, he has learned scriptures and uh, he's kind of you know attained some knowledge and he's thinking, you know, my father is giving away this old cow, you know, emaciated cow, it doesn't give milk, you know, what is the use? So he he, he starts asking his father, you know, when are you, what are you going to do with me? Who are you going to give it give you know, give me uh, give me? Or uh, who are you going to give me to, for example. So he keeps asking uh, repeatedly this question and his father, you know, gets mad. And he said, I'm going to give you to death. <laughs> nice. So, so Nati you know, being, you know, uh, kind of a, you know, thoughtful kid, he thinks, oh, my father has already promised, you know, that he's going to give me to death. Um, you know, in Indian scriptures, you know, death also has a God, and his name is Yama. Yama. So he's the, Yama, yes. He's the God of death. And he has a fierce, fierce character, and, you know, we are all afraid of him, you know, going out because if Yama is coming. You have to oh. run away because he's coming to get you, right? Uh-huh. But this Nachiketa is so, uh, you know, he's so courageous. He actually goes to Yama to kind of confront him or to understand, you know, what is what happens, you know, <laughs> when Yama comes. So he goes and he goes there, and Yama is, you know, not, you know, at his home. He's gone out, you know, to do his work, right? Right. Um, so he waits there for three days. He, you know, he was at his doorstep for three days. Um, day and night he was waiting there. But Emma comes back, you know, after three days, and he sees this young kid, you know, um, flying at his doorstep. And uh, so he feels bad, you know, because according to the, you know, our tradition, you know, if a spiritual guest or any guest comes to your home, you know, you are supposed to attend to him and you are supposed to feed him. And all the things, and Yama thinks I've committed a great mistake by letting this boy, you know, starve here in front of my home. So I have to make up for this. And he says, you know, he tells Narchiketa, you can ask for three boons, whatever you want. I'll give you to kind of a, as an atonement uh, for for my action. So Keta being a bright kid, and he thinks the first one is. You know, my father was really angry at me <laughs> when I left. So please appease my father's anger, you know, when I go back, so he will receive me lovingly. And uh, Shama said, okay, so be it. Okay, what is the second one? Second one, you know, Nashiketa says, you know, teach me this fire sacrifice, you know, which if we do, we will reach heaven. Uh, Shama says, okay, I will teach you. And he, you know, he teaches him how it is performed and, you know, what are the chantings. And that, Nachiketa being a bright you know, he understands everything and he learns quickly, And Yama is really happy. You know, that such a young age, is able to understand and all these things. So uh, he says, from now on, I will name this after you, this fire sacrifice. Okay, now the third one. So the third one, Nachiketa says, you know, when people die, you know, they're... You know, so many people ask. You know, is he really there or is gone? You know, is he still something there, or you know, and what happens then? You know, what is the truth of death? He's asking the God of Death for the truth regarding death, because mm-hmm. he wants to know. Right? That's why he came over all. You know, all the way. So, uh, Yama was like flabbergasted, uh, You know, he's asking for my truth, and I've committed to answering it. So he, he, he tried to tell him, you know, that's really, you know, such a secret truth that not even the lesser gods, you know, know about it. You know, and you are asking me, please ask something else. I will give you anything. I will give you all kinds of riches. You can ask me. You can live for, you know, however long you want. You can ask your kids and grandkids can live hundred years. You can ask for women. You can ask for gold. You can ask for anything, but don't ask. Me. Nachiketa is not perturbed. He says, You know, I'm in front of the God of death, and I have to ask you, please, you know, that's all I need. I don't need anything else. Mm. Because, you know, uh, standing in front of you is an immortal being. You know, I know whatever I get is not going to last. So I want to know. So finally, Yama has to kind of, you know, give up and start answering these questions regarding, you know, uh, the death, right? You know what happens. You know, uh, and he says, you know, he it, it says all this in, you know, all this is uh, dramatized in in kind of poem. And you know, one of some of the concepts uh, which we already discussed is that, you know, those who realize itself, the they, you know, they don't go back. You know, they they don't come to me. You know, they go to the next world. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's you know, it clearly says and. Those who know they are, you know, not the body, they are not the mind, but the self. You know, they find the source of all joy and things like that. See, it goes on, so you get the point. Right. So Natickat learns the real truth. You know, of uh, of death. And so, I guess the moral of the story I want to leave you with is. You know, don't be a turkey. You know, follow an educate us. Advice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it's that's a great story. Thank you, Satya, for sharing that. Yeah, and thanks for uh, calling the show. This has been. Uh, I'm glad you did. I love uh, having callers, and I love uh, talking with you as well, Satya. Thanks again. All
1: right. Have a great Thanksgiving.
0: Yes, you too. All right. See you. And we will Bye-bye. just take a uh, a quick break here. Uh, we'll be right back. All right. Thank you to Douglas Irvine. Right, This song is from his album called Ambient Egypt. Douglas Irvine, thank you. And welcome back to The Mystic Show. I'm glad you can join us here this Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And of course, if you're hearing it on a podcast, you're hearing it in the future. (laughs) See, I'm speaking to the future. So that was great. I'm glad Satya called and shared that story. That was a... It's just a phenomenal topic you know uh talking about death and what happens at death and and it, like i said in my opinion that's a big part of spirituality is asking those questions and actually you know meditating and and trying to connect with your self to uh to find the truth and to like like satya said he said you know lord yama the lord of death said if you're if you realize yourself, then you don't even go to him. You just go beyond him. So so in a way, we can avoid any, uh, well, we can just go to higher levels directly, I think, as humans. So I want to read, to finish the show, I want to read a nice little passage from our other book, uh, 365 Dao. This is actually today's passage, right? Uh, November twenty seventh, twenty thirteen, and uh, it's called Civ. Uh, yeah, and and you'll you'll if you don't know what a sieve is, you'll know what it is after I read this. So this is a nice little piece here. Um, okay, so it's called sieve. A coarse sieve catches little. A fine mesh catches more. If you want the subtle, be refined, but be prepared to deal with the course. The irony of spiritual living is that you become more sensitive and more subtle. Therefore, you become intolerant of the course. There is not much choice in this. If you want to catch the subtle things in life, then you must become refined yourself. But the coarser things will then accumulate all the more quickly. A coarse sieve in a rushing stream will hold back only debris and large rocks. A fine mesh will catch smaller things but it will also retain the large. Some people attempt to cope with this by becoming multi-layered. They set up a series of screens to their personalities, from the coarse to the subtle, so that they can deal with all that life has to offer. This is quite laudable from an ordinary point of view, But from the point of view of Tao It is a great deal of bother What do we do? If we remain coarse Then only the coarse comes to us If we become subtle Then we gain the refined But are plagued with the coarse as well If we become multi-layered Then we create a complexity that isolates us from Tao. The solution lies in floating on the current of Tao, uniting with it. That way, we no longer seek to hold or to reject. and that's the end of that passage called siv it it again it talks about how as we become more spiritual the the coarse or the gross the more gross parts of life uh become almost intolerable right we become so sensitive it's hard to deal with the coarseness of everyday life uh but that's that's what we have to deal with, right? And, uh, the sieve is, is like, um, like a mesh, you know? So the, the, the coarse sieve will let all the, the fine debris go right through it and it'll only catch the big, big things. But the fine mesh will catch everything, the subtle and the coarse. So as we become more spiritual in everyday life, we're going to just Attract more of everything uh, Coarse and subtle And I like how he says how to deal with it The solution lies in floating On the current of Tao And this very much goes with uh, What we talked about previously About being in remembrance And sort of maintaining A spiritual consciousness While you're doing Everyday mundane activities So you can do the mundane activities But also Remain in a mindset and a heart set of a higher spirituality. And, um, that seems again, everything's pointing to that, that that's the way to do it. That's the way to live. So, um, I wonder what you think about that. Well, maybe you can go to the post of the show and, and comment. If you go to the website, you can comment on any of the shows, actually, and you can even send us a message through the website. So thank you for listening. Um, I wish you, I mean it goes without saying, but I wish you a happy and gratitude filled Thanksgiving. Uh, and that might be with family, that might be in prayer or meditation. So So as you move through your day, as you move through Thanksgiving and the holiday and and everything, keep a good vibration and you know, keep shining.